Hello. Hi. And welcome to Infinite Cast. Uh, welcome to uh, calendar year, year three. three of this uh, silly project we've been doing. It's uh, actually very serious. It's a very serious. <laughs> it's a matter of a, life. A serious death. and thoughtful consideration. Um, a, a, um, a journalistic investigation and evaluation, serial style, <laughs> as into, of course, whether or not Infinite Jest is good or not. The heart of the American dream. <laughs> to the heart of the American <laughs> Straight dream. Straight to the heart of the American dream. Yeah. Um, and you know, I guess jury's still out because we're still about halfway through this. Is this book good or not? Who can say? Um, <laughs> have we become more toxically masculine through our um, oh. by wallowing in this for mm. this long? Interesting. Uh, what do you think your toxic masculinity levels are? Uh, they're ri- they're rising. They're rising. My it's well, you know, you got your internalized um mis- misogyny. misogyny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you're internalizing some misogyny. I mean, I'm at the I'm at the misogyny internalizing store, <laughs> and my cart is heaping full, <laughs> and I'm ready to check out. Um, yeah, uh, sorry we you miss us. We took Christmas weekend off because we were on other sides of the continent. Yeah, um, and so we we passed on that. But now it is January second. Yep. The second day of the new year, and we're twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty two. Yeah, totally, hundred percent, twenty twenty two, right? That year that everyone keeps yeah, saying things the, about. You're in the fa- phase where you're going to keep writing the wrong year on the checks for. Uh, yeah, for, like, well, the first don't two don't got to write the wrong year if you don't write any checks. Hey, that's the wise thing. <laughs> um. All right. So unless still... you have any other thoughts on on this is the new year, so this is the new year. Uh, I guess we can hop in. Let's go. We're still where we were. We're in the wi- we're in the waiting room. I don't want to. Know. <laughs> that is that is a uh, that is Hal's mindset. Yeah. All right. Okay. As for the older kids, Stice can make them all double up now merely by shielding his eyes with his hand and assuming a horizon scan espre- expression whenever Tavis heaves into view, seeming to recede even as he bears down. <laughs> CT, as headmaster, always has a number of introductory questions for matriculants, and Hal now, in November, can't remember which one of these Tavis opened with ECT. That's a, a very a Tina ECT, who's like eight years old, mm-hmm. doing her matriculatory interview right now. Okay. And that's what he's waiting for. Uh, but he remembers seeing the little girl's sucker stick sweep the air and a plastic Mr. Bouncy Bounce uh, no-pierce earring which takes us to EndNote 219, extremely annoying host of Interlace Spontaneous Decem Children's Program. Okay, Mr. Bouncy Bounce. And a plastic Mr. Bouncy Bounce, Bouncy Bounce, no pierce earrings swing wildly as she shook her head. Hald marveled at her size. How high could somebody this little be ranked, even regionally, in 12s? Uh, and then, yes, the sumptuous squeak of Tavis's big seagrass chair coming back forward as his elbows took his weight and he laced his fingers together out across meters of polymer-reinforced shale desktop, custom-designed. The headmaster smiled as he leaned back, though hidden from Hal because of the shadow of the office's enormous stair blaster, which takes us to EndNote 220, uh, registered to CardioMed Fitness Products, a fourth-generation stairmaster-ish thing, except set more to resemble a down escalator, somehow dickied to a statistically high number of R 
PMs so that the exerciser has to sort of run climbing for his life to avoid getting hurled backwards all the way across the office by the machine, which is what uh, accounts for the big square weight room floor mat attached to the cleared expanse of office wall opposite the rear of the machine, which Tavis had moved up to from his stairmaster after a frightening cholesterol count report and had had kind of a tricky time with at first once requiring a back brace. <laughs> back to the text was nevertheless audible because of the thing with Charles Tavis's teeth, about which maybe the less said, the better. Looking discreetly in, Hal had felt an involuntary rush of affection for C.T. His maternal uncle's hair was straight and very precisely combed over, and his little mustache was never quite symmetrical. One eye was also set at a slightly different angle than the other, so that besides holding his hand up to scan, Stice would also cock his head slightly to the side whenever C.T. came near. Hal's involuntary grin is lopsided and only half felt now, remembering. The axe handles sitting there slumped with his fist to his chin, a posture that he thinks makes him look meditative, but that really makes him look in utero. And Kitten Plan is chewing at her knuckles' tattoos, which is what she does instead of washing them off. What are in Kitten Plan's knuckle tats? Uh, it is not clear what they say, um, it, but you can make some guesses. I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if you could fit tennis, What's the most tennis pro tennis ball. Um, <laughs> serve, serve hard. Yeah. Uh, not quite there. Yeah. No E at the end of serve. Uh, if anyone has any guesses, please let us know. Then Orthostice had entered the hot waiting room, shirt wet and crew cut matted from the courts and toting his Wilsons and made right for the AC vents downdraft outside Tavis's little vestibule. Stice's clothes were comped by Fila and when he played any sort of match, he wore all black and at ETA and on the tour was known as the darkness. <laughs> or though the darkness dice. Uh, he had a crew cut and the beginnings of jowls. He and Hal exchanged the very slight sorts of nods people use when they like each other past all need for politeness. They had similar games, although most of Stice's touch was at the net. Stice raised one hand to his eyes and cocked his head slightly in the direction of the office's lamplight. I just want to say, stop for a second and say Fila, I think, is the uh, classiest of the athletic brands. You do? Interesting. It's a very, I, I mean, I think it's a very elite one, you know? Mm. The fi- yeah. Adidas, Nike, those are for the people. But Fila, ooh, that has, that the, has the ring of like an Italian uh, uh, ski suit, you mm, know? Mm. I'll have to look at their offerings these days. I'm actually unfamiliar. I would like to get a, a, a Fila, like, brightly colored... Um, like like sweatsuit, you know, like yes. the, the nylon sweatsuits. Yeah. Yes, I'll get you one. Uh, uh, the little guy going to be a long time in there? You have to ask. Tavis was saying, what actually we do for you here is to break you down in very carefully selected ways, take you apart as a little girl and put you back together again as a tennis player who can take the court against any little girl in America without fear of limitation, with a perspective unmarred by the eyelashes of whatever pockets you brought here. A little girl now who can regard the court as a mirror whose reflection holds no illusions or fears for you. <laughs> now the thing with the skull, Stice said. Hal had watched goose flesh rise on, on uh, Stice's arms and legs as he stood under the cold air and faced up and breathed, hugging his gear to his chest. One possible way of couching it is to choose to say that we will take apart your skull very gently and reconstruct a skull for you that will have a highly developed bump of clarity and a slight concave dent where the fear instinct used to be. I'm doing my best to cast all this in terms the you you are right now can be comfortable with, Tina. Though I need to tell you, I feel uncomfortable adjusting a presentation toward or down toward anyone in any way, since I'm terribly vain, both as a man and an educator, about my reputation for candor, uh, Tavis said. 
the audible smile. It is one of my limitations. <laughs> Stice withdrew without even having to say goodbye to Hal. They were at complete ease with one another. It had been a bit different the year before when Hal was still in boys' 16s. Hal heard Stice say something to somebody out in the lobby. Part of CT's impression of distance just past the eye's focal length was the fact that the two sides of his face didn't quite go together. It wasn't as drastic as a stroke victim's face or a deformity. The subtlety of it was part of it, the essential vagueness about himself that Tavis fought by sort of peeling his skull back and exposing his brain to you without any sort of warning or invitation. It was part of the man's preoccupied frenzy. Between Orthostice's exit and the mom's entry, Hal had been flexing the ankle and watching the swelling shift uh, slightly under the multiple socks. He stood and put his weight on the ankle experimentally a couple times and then sat back down and flexed it, watching the swelling very intently. The way he knew suddenly that he was going to go down and get high and secret in the pump room before showering wasn't that it hadn't occurred to him to ask the darkness about making some sort of arrangements to eat together since Stice had missed up or two. His viscera were putting out the sound of one of those tea kettles that doesn't have a whistle and so just rumbles as it boils. A competitive athlete cannot skip meals without terrific metabolic distress. Same. <laughs> after a while, after a little while, Avril Condenza, ETA's Dean of Academic Affairs, had lowered her head under the waiting room's jam and come in, looking fresh and totally untouched by the heat. She had one of the orientation packets in its customary red and gray binder. The moms always had this way of establishing herself in the exact center of any room she was in, so that from any angle she was somehow in the line of all sight. It was part of her, and so to that extent dear to Hal, but it was noticeable and kind of unsettling. His brother Oren, during a late-night round of family trivia, had once described Avril as the black hole of human attention. Hal had been pacing, rising up on the toes of the left foot, trying to gauge the exact level of physical discomfort he was feeling. That's when she'd come in. Hal and the moms always greeted each other kind of extravagantly. When ha Avril entered a room, any sort of pacing reduced to orbiting, and Hal's pacing became vaguely circular around the waiting room's perimeter as Avril rested her tailbone on the receptionist's desk and crossed her ankles and produced her cigarette case. Her manner always became very casual and almost sort of male when she and Hal were alone in a room. She watched him walk. The ankle? He hated himself for exaggerating the limp even slightly. Tender, sore at the very worst, more like tender. No, now, no, now no need to cry, CT was exclaiming as he knelt at the side of the chair <laughs> from which little legs dangled and were spasming around. I didn't mean literally break, as in break open your head, Tina. Please let me acknowledge that this is totally my fault, my dear, for presenting what we'll be up to in here in just exactly the wrong sort of light. Avril had casually produced a 100-millimeter Rodney from the flat brass case and tamped it on an unlined knuckle. Hal produced no lighter. Neither of them looked, uh, had looked toward Tavis's office's maw. Avril's smock-type dress was blue cotton with a kind of scalloped white doily around the shoulders and white stockings and painfully white Reebok cross trainers. I am horrified that I've made you cry like this. Tavis's voice had assumed that stress character of issuing from the end of a long corridor. Just please know that a totally unthreatening lap is available if you want a lap is all I can think of to say. Avril always smoked with her smoking arm up and elbow resting in the crook of the other arm. She would frequently hold a Rodney just the same way without lighting it or even putting it in her mouth. She permitted herself to smoke only in her ETA office and HMH study and one or two other venues outfitted with air filtration equipment. Her posture that night, with her cossacks against something and looking down the length of her legs, was awfully close to the way himself used to stand around. 
She indicated CT's door with her head. I gather he's been in there a while. Hal despised even the very slight suggestion of wine that came in. I've been waiting here coming up on an hour. And that he liked it a little that she looked pained for him as her tiny eyebrows, unplucked, just naturally tiny and arched, went up. You've had nothing to eat then yet. I was summoned. Tavis's voice in there. I'll invite you right here and now to sit in my lap and let me make such soothing sounds as there, there, there. <laughs> Want my mommy and daddy. <laughs> Avril said, that's the old Tom making those sounds then and not the air conditioner with that smile that was also a kind of wince. Couldn't even start to describe the sounds coming from down there, like that whistleless kettle himself used to leave on when an apple appeared from a deep pocket in her smock. Happened to have a spare Granny Smith here to tack body to soul while we wait. He smiled tiredly at the big green apple. Moms, that's your apple. That's all you're going to eat between 12 and 23, I happen to know. Avril made a distended gesture. Stuffed. Huge lunch with a set of parents not three hours ago. I've been staggering around since, looking at the apple like she had no idea where it had even come from. I'll probably pitch this out. You will not. Please, rising from the desk edge without seeming to use muscles, Apple held out like something distasteful, cigarette down at her side where it would be putting a hole in the smock if lit. You'd be doing us both a favor. This drives me bats. You know this drives me bats. Orin and Hal's term for this routine is politeness roulette, this mom's thing that makes you hate yourself for telling her the truth about any kind of problem because of what the consequences will be for her. It's like to report any sort of need or problem is to mug her. <laughs> Orin and Hal had this bit during family trivia sometimes. Please, I'm not using this oxygen anyway. What? <laughs> what? This old limb? Take it. In the way all the time. Take it. But it's a gorgeous bowel movement, Mario. The living room needed something. I didn't know what till right this moment. The special fantodish chill of feeling both complicit and obliged. Hal despised the way he always reacted, taking the apple, pretending to pretend his reluctance to eat her supper was a pretense. Orin believes she did it all on purpose, which was way too easy. He said she went around with her feelings out in front of her with an arm around the feelings' windpipe and a Glock 9mm to the feelings' temple like a terrorist with a hostage daring you to shoot. Uh, the, the moms held the red binder out to Hal without moving. Have you seen Alice's new packets? The apple was good sour but perfumey from the pocket of the moms' smock, and it stimulated a torrent of saliva. The binder had little, uh, different little informal and action photos from the waiting room walls in off prints of clippings and three rings for the packet of guidelines and honor code pledges, all done up in more in a gothic ital. Hal looked up from the binder, indicating CT's office with his head. You're taking the girl around yourself? We're encouragingly short-staffed. Uh, Thierry and Donnie won their qualifying round at Hartford, so they're staying over. She leaned way forward and looked in at CT so he could see she was out here. She smiled. Hal followed her look. The girl's name's Tina something, and she'll come up to about your knee. Ect, Haverl said, looking at something on a printout. Hal looked at her while, she chewed, while he chewed. You don't like her already? Tina Ect, Pawtucket. Father apparently some sort of unleavened baker. Mother a public relations person for the Red Sox AAA basketball, baseball there. Hal had to wipe his chin as he smiled. Triple A, not AAA. Avril, Avril was wearing, uh, sorry, Avril was leaning forward at the waist with a binder to her breast the way females hold flat things, still trying to catch the headmaster's eye. Hal said, Trolch finally has some competition in the repulsive last name department. 
Lord, she is a small one, isn't she? I can't see her being more than maybe five. Oh, golly, let's see. Age seven, high IQ, somewhat impoverished looking MMPI, played out at Providence Racket and Bath in East Providence, ranked 31st in Eastern 12s as of June. She can't be much taller than her damn stick out there when she plays. Stitt's going to keep her here, what, 12 years? The girl's father has been calling about admission for her for over two years, Charles said. He was doing that thing about taking skulls apart and she yelled bloody murder. Avril's laugh's onset was high-pitched and alarming and distinctive, so now at least CT would for sure know the moms was out here waiting and would wind things up and maybe get to Hal so Hal could go get high in secret. (laughs) Well, good for her, Avril said. (laughs) The orbit took him around lateral Alice's Moore's desk in a kind of thick ellipse. Every time his left foot came down, he either dipped down or raised up briefly to tiptoe, flexing the ankle. Ten years here and she'll lose her mind. If she starts at seven, she'll either be ready for the show at 14 or by 14, she'll start getting that burned out look that makes you want to wave your hand in front of her face. There was the sound of Tavis's squeaky right nun bush pacing pacing faster, which meant real conclusion. I'm going to predict it's probably hard to see yourself as a great athlete at this stage, Tina, not being able to see over the net yet, (laughs) but possibly even harder to see yourself as providing entertainment, engaging people's attention. As a high-velocity object, people can project themselves onto, forgetting their own limitations in the face of the nearly limitless potential someone as young as yourself represents. The apple generated tremendous amounts of saliva. He'll put her in the show before Menzies. There'll be another enormous fuss and high rental cartridges of a girl no larger than her racket beating up on hairy Slavic lesbians. And then by 14, she'll be like the old coal in the bottom of a backyard grill. <laughs> the old coal. <laughs> Some old military joke about apples kept running through. Eat the apple, fuck the core. Hal couldn't remember what it was supposed to signify. (laughs) The moms was snapping her fingers silently and working her forehead. There's some term for coals reduced to residue after all day in a grill. I'm trying to think. Ash? Hal hates this. Clinkers, he said instantly, from clinker, low German, and clinkered, old Dutch, to sound ring, nominated to substantive around 1769, a hard mass formed by the fusion of the earthy impurities of like coal, iron, or limestone. He hated it that she could even dream he'd be taken in by the aphasiac furrowing and finger snapping, and then that he's always so pleased to play along. Is it showing off if you hate it? Clinker. A grill wouldn't have clinkers. Charcoals were fine to burn right down to dust. Clinkers are sort of metallic, I think. See, for example, the ring-sound etymology. Uh, I like to suspect this is why so many of our older players like to project me into this carnival barker persona with tiny balance sheets revolving in my eyes that I'm up front with every incoming addition to our family that this is where the resources come from for professional tennis and for the North American Junior Development System for gifted children who want to scale the heights to professionalism or to a competitive college career and so ultimately for an academy like this one's considerable operating operating expenses and for scholarships like the partial one we're so happy to be able to offer your parents for you (laughs) so then perhaps you'd care to join us for dinner we'll also have uh, miss act if she can stay up that long the core made a very muffled cymbal noise uh sound in the bottom of lateral alice's wastebasket i can't get out of dawn's wayne and i are supposed to play slobodan which takes us to (laughs) endnote 221 
The satellite pro Hal got in a set from a barrel-chested Latvian who thought Hal's name was Al. <laughs> Back to the text. Uh, Slobodan and Hartigan at some corporate spectacle thing at Auburndale right after lunch. Have you had Barry speak to Gerhard about the ankle not getting better? The clay will be good to it. Shit knows all about the ankle. Well, best of British luck to you both. Avril's purse looked more like soft luggage than a purse. <laughs> May I lend you the key to the kitchen then? It's always the mom's left shoulder Hal looks over whenever he orbits, and his plans emerged between Avril's invitations to accept some sort of politeness act. The darkness and I were going to blast down the hill and grab something if and when I ever get out of here. Oh. Then he wondered with dread what Stice might have said to her on uh, on her way in re-supper. Maybe Pemulus too, I think Pemulus said. Well, do not, under any circumstances, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Ect and Tra Tavis were both standing now and there. Their handshake looked for the first split second he looked like CT was jacking off and the little girl was going sigile. Oh my God. <laughs> Hal thought he was maybe starting to lose his mind. Even the meat of the Granny Smith smelled like perfume. Three months later, earlier today, before being again summoned at the dentist, the dentist's office, it had a weird, sharp, clean, sweet smell about it. The olfactory equivalent of fluorescent light. Hal had felt the cold stab in the gum and then the slow radial freeze, his face ballooning to become one of the frozen cumuli against the aftershave blue of the dental wallpaper's sky. Zagarelli DDS had dry, dark green eyes that bulged above his mint blue mask, as in like olives, where I should be. As he leaned in to proceed, his dental overhead lights corona giving him one of those malperspective medieval halos that seemed to stand on end. Even masked, Zagarelli's breath is infamous. ETAs forced for the first time by their ETA group plan to recline below Zegarelli are counseled on how to respire, to inhale when Zegarelli inhales, and exhale right back out with him to avoid doubling the amount of suffering Hale's already gone through to just gone through just today. Charles Tavis is not a buffoon. The thing that's keeping things so tensely quiet uh, out here amid all this waiting room blue is that there are historically at least two Charles Tavises, the three older boys know. The openly cross-sectional and free-associating and arms-waving on the perspectival horizon, dithering, hand-wringing, total worry persona is really Tavis's version of social composure, his way of trying to get along with you. But just ask Michael Pemulus, whose sneakers have been on Tavis's carpet so often they've left an unvacuumable impression in the checked Andron. When Tavis loses his composure, when the integrity or smooth function of the academy or his unquestioned place at the ETA tiller is, God forbid, threatened, Hal's openly adjustable uncle becomes a different man, one not to be fucked with. It's not necessarily pejorative to compare a cornered bureaucrat to a cornered rat. The danger sign to watch out for is if Tavis suddenly gets very quiet and it's very still, because then he seems, prospectively, to grow. He seems sitting there to rush in at you, dopplering in at a whisper, almost looming over you from across the huge desk. If shit meets administrative fan, kids coming out of his mandible-doored office come out pale and rubbing their eyes, not from tears, but from this depth perspective skewing that CT suddenly affects when there's shit. Another alert is when lateral Alice Moore gets formally buzzed to bring you and the others in, instead of the office doors ever opening from inside, and when she gets up and edges over to show you in, you're like some sort of hat-holding salesman without once meeting your eye, as if there's shame, mm. one big family. 
the diddle check seems like it's degenerated into the girls all getting very excited and exchanging data on what kinds of animals members of their own biologic families either imitate or physically resemble. And Avril's out of sight and silent and apparently let them go, letting them go with it for a while and vent stress. Hal keeps checking for jaw drool with the back of his hand. Pemulus, in a Cyrillic lettered t-shirt, takes off the hat and looks around himself and makes reflexive tie-straightening movements, taking one last look at his lines on the printout while Axford stands there, needing three tries to work the outdoor do- outside door's knob. Anne Kittenplan, on the other hand, wears an expression of almost regal calm and precedes them through the inner door like someone stepping down off a dais. <laughs> Did I pronounce that right? Dais? Dais? Dais. Dais. And it also seems somehow sinister that she's been in here, uh, apparently been in here all this time, this Clinette person, one of the nine-month temps from down the hill, pretty-eyed and so black she's got a bluish cast, with hair ironed straight and then pinned up, and the standard ETA custodial teal-blue zip-upable jumpsuit, emptying Tavis's personal brass wastebaskets into her big cart with its gray canvas sides. Um. The way she stares at a point just to the side of Hal's own stare. I, re- she, I, re- I recognize this person. It's Clinette. It's Clinette. Uh, Hal's own stare as she and her cart wait at CT's inner door for Hal and the others to be ushered sideways through by lateral Alice Moore. The cart, like poor Otis Lord's own Game Master's cart, has a crazy wheel and clatters a bit, even buried in shag, trying to maneuver around Moore as she reverses back along the vestibule's wall. Neither Stitt nor Delint is in here, but from the hiss of Pemulus's inhale, Hal can tell that Dr. Dolores Rusk is in the room even before he takes his eyes from a CT who's sitting pulsing with swollen proximity in his seagrass <laughs> swivel chair and almost done coolly bending a giant paperclip into a sort of cardioid or else sloppy circle. Tavis's window-lit shadow now reaches all the way past the stair blaster to the red and gray fabric ottoman along the east wall, in which sits, sure enough, Rusk, her hose laddered and face betraying nothing, and then next to her is poor old Otis P. Lord, the Hitachi monitor still over his head like the salad of some grotesque high-tech knight, slumped and with his sneakers pointing at each other in the blue and black shag, hands at his lap, two crude eye holes cut into the black plastic casing of the monitor's base. Lord not meeting Pemulus's eye... Uh, and wicked hanging shards of glass from the screen he fell through, pointing, some nearly touching even, his slim neck and throat, so he has to hold his head very still despite the heavings of his shallow chest with the day-shift ETA nurse standing behind him and inclined over the back of the sofa to hold the monitor very carefully in place, the incline-producing cleavage, which Hal would gladly choose to be the sort of person not to note. Lord's eyes move to Hal and it's very, very goofy. I know. Lord's eyes move to Hal and blink dolefully through the holes, and he can be heard sniffing moistly in there, complexly muffled. And Pemulus is just finishing moving his feet precisely into their familiar impressions in the office carpet. When CT, seeming to direly to rise from his chair without getting up, quietly asks the room's last occupant, the scrubbed uh, young button-nosed urologist in an Onanta blazer, severely underdue at ETA. Seated back in the shadow of the open inner door in the room's southeast corner, so he's hidden right behind them from the start, and there's the opportunity for this stagey, incriminating-type whirl and courtwang face from Axford and Hal as they hear Charles Tavis addressing the urine expert behind them, asking him very quietly, please, uh, to close both doors. <laughs> the end. Not of the book. <laughs> the end. 
Oh boy, they're in big trouble. They are in big trouble. And all those people were in there while he's talking to that little China a child. The whole time. Well, the whole so they're in CT's office. Was CT in Avril's office talking to Tina Echt? I don't know. I thought that they were all still in the same place. I don't know. Whatever. Who, who knows? Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, that took us to 20, almost 28 minutes. So I think that that's enough for today. Yeah. Because guess where we're going uh, after this? Back to the freaking outcropping. Uh, the, back to Marath and, and crew. So we'll have je to suis, do. Um, je suis désolé. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like w- w- this is the third straight session we've been talking about this little scene, so I feel like we've wrung a lot of meeting out of this, although this is the most, possibly the most interaction with Avril we've seen so far in this. In it's the, the book. first time in she real time spoke. she has spoken. Yeah. There's been memories of her speaking. Memories of Avril. Uh, yes, this is the first, like, dialogue scene between her and um, uh, anybody Especially her her children. Yes, my children. She did write to Oren, and Oren yep. did not receive it. Uh, and he we have like it, uh, in fact. we have like heard people recalling her speak. Yes, uh, that's my favorite. I think my favorite moment in all of Game of Thrones. Um, my, my children. Yeah, when um, God, what's his name? Uh, Charles. Charles dance. dance. Uh, um, is, Lannister. Yeah, Tywin, Tywin Lannister. Lannister is, is telling. Uh, uh, Tyrion and Cersei that they have to get married to people they don't like and they're bitching about it and he just stands up and goes my children you freaks in the most dismiss- how have I raised such freaks in maybe it's because I'm also awful uh, in the most like dismissive and condescending voice I just think that that's a wonderful line reading my children yeah that rocks uh, hey remember Game of Thrones <laughs> I do well it's it's coming back isn't the um the, many many people the- Targaryen show coming out this year. Yeah, we're, it's coming back. Back to the discourse. Mm, yes, uh, many people uh, refer to Infinite Jest as the the Game of Thrones of literary fiction. Many many people, many people do. The, 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 I've heard them myself yeah. say, uh, "The Game of Thrones of um, uh, of award winning fiction." I don't know what you would call it. what. What is the genre of of Infinite Jest? It's a comedy. <laughs> It is a comedy. It is a um, speculative. To me, it's like speculative. It's a speculative fiction comedy. Speculative fiction. Comedic speculative fiction. I love speculative fiction. I I love to speculate. I wonder if my here's here's a question because I okay so I was just like hanging out with my mom um, for Christmas Mm -hmm. as one does. Yes, Uh, heard of it. And mom. Oh, he's got. Sorry, I'm. You've got the tennis on. He's got the Adidas Ultra Boost, which I also own as of yesterday. I didn't realize those are tennis shoes. Maybe they're not the, quite the same. Anyway, go uh, on. Isn't aren't all athletic shoes technically tennis shoes? Yeah, isn't but it different. Funny that tennis oh yeah, gets the, tennis gets the claim on that thing that they're mm. not like basketball shoes. Well, yeah, tennis shoes sounds like a thing. I think plimsolls. I think it's because the the s at the end of tennis, uh, like tennis shoes. It's like one word. Yeah, like it, one word. Basketball shoes does not. Uh, soccer shoes, maybe soccer shoes. I don't know. Anyway, mm. uh, mom usually has a pretty good taste in um fiction and in books and fiction and um tv shows and movies like we watched a bunch of righteous we watched the entire first season of righteous gemstones in the four days that i was seeing her but the funny the thing that i find funny about her is that she cannot deal with anything that is even slightly fantastical or science fiction like a book for her i might maybe even talk about this on the pod that i find this interesting is like the best books for her, no matter what, are the books that are based on a true story. Yes. 
uh, and the truer the story is, the better the, the better book it is. is because yes. it's something that actually happened. Yes, I don't what think you've mentioned be be- this on the pod. And what could be like better than a thing that is real? Yes. And so anything that has any amount of science fiction to it, any amount of fantastic elements, even if it's like you know, I don't know, magical realism of mm. like a uh, a Latin American work of fiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, About a certain number of years of being alone. Yes. Yeah. Um, right out. Cannot deal. It it didn't happen, and therefore garbage. It cannot happen, Trash and game. therefore it is uh, not worth paying attention. I pretend to. I do it, not see it, and in fact, you cannot even be engaged with. <laughs> so I wonder how she would deal with something like um, Infinite Jess, and I have a feeling that she would be like, you know. I think that I honestly think it's, this book is probably a little too goofy for her. Yes, she would say it was goofy. It's goofy. And even the, I think what would bother her is the mix of real history that gets brought in. For example, the acknowledgement of Venus and Serena Williams yeah, as yeah. like real people, but then also these uh, false historical yeah. things like what, you know. Well, even I'm like. Which is, I, I, I guess ah. I bring up because, again, as we try to investigate the reputation that, of this book has, I don't think given the way people like talk about it in pop culture, you would ever imagine that the critique that you could bring about bringing this to normies is that it's quote too goofy, you <laughs> sure. know? Yeah. It Th- would be that, too long. That, that would be the main thing. And then like, I guess usually people would assume would say it's like too pretentious, which usually means the opposite of goofy, too self-serious, mm. too self-involved, too um, obsessed with its own intellectualism, mm. which I would say, is one of the great surprises of reading it is that it, it even though it is you know you know a lot of a lot of five dollar words and certainly ten dollar sentences <laughs> uh, in here, um, it is very goofy. <laughs> yeah, and that's the the point is not the five dollar words. The, those are almost sort of the like, it's like a, they're kind of a joke. The, it's all it's all a joke. It to is me. all a joke. It's all a jest. It a jape. A jape. An, an infinite, forever jape. An infi- the forever jape. <laughs> the infinite jest. Uh, I don't know. I guess the thing that really works the best for me is the uh, um, the combination of goofiness like uh, Otis. What is that guy's Otis name? Otis P. Lord. Otis P. Lord wearing the, still wearing the monitor, but now with eye holes cut into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also so like you've got all the, all the kind like, of subtext of like, uh, you know, everyone's addicted to TV, but then you literally have, or addicted to entertainment in the form of a screen, and then you have him literally wearing a screen on his head. Yes. Like that's funny to me. Maybe it's not funny to everybody. I think it's funny. It's I all, think it's, it's funny. but it's like a Looney Tunes gag. It he is. Has eye t- eye holes got to do it. Yeah. But then also we see the reappearance of Clinette in this for the. I think that that she and the other guy are like referenced offhandedly as being in the Ennett house, but not mentioned clinette i believe is the narrator of the passage the uh aave passage no no, no yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. but then they're referenced a couple times to be in uh and house but this is the first time we see her in that and that makes yeah. you think of that extremely harrowing passage of the aav thing uh i don't know that 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 combination of goofy and then hair the the few parts of this that are like generally like skin crawlingly yeah uh like um yeah, I can't think of a better word than harrowing. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of kind of that mix of things. Scary. The, scary. 
even like that line that was perfectly uh, perverse of Hal thinking that Tina X shaking hands with CT oh, yeah. looked like him jacking off and her zig heiling. Like I'm like that, and then it being he, and being like, am I going insane in here? Like that's of like perfect, just extremely stupid and weird thing to put in there that somehow perfectly describes just like the w- wandering like perverse thoughts of like a teen a teenage guy. Mm-hmm. Who's been like waiting in a waiting room for an hour? Absolutely, it's 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 good. Yeah, it's, it's weird and did good. Do you ever get in uh, trouble enough in high school to have to actually go see the principal? I behaved in high school. I gave too much lip to someone in middle school once that resulted in de- the the only detention that I got. I was trying to so someone needed help with their work, and I helped them. And then apparently I wasn't supposed to. And then the like student not student teacher, the like teaching assistant who was a real goblin, mm-hmm. like was mean to me about it. And I was like, fuck off lady. Like I'm trying yeah. to help him do his assignment. You're did not. You actually say fuck off. I did not say fuck off, but I was very snooty and it got me detention, but deten- detention. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just sitting in a room for a half an hour after you, school. You're in the waiting room. In school suspension was your real uh, getting in trouble type thing, which my little sisters were maybe a little more familiar with. You said get bent, ma'am. Yeah. I said, <laughs> get bent. Eat. Eat shit. Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. Respectfully. <laughs> Respectfully. Uh, you ever detention? Yes. They have detention at, at your school? Yes. It was the same thing. You had to wait in a room at, for a half hour after school. I assume that would also cause you to miss whatever like extracurricular thing that you were committed yeah, to, causing of. problems with your uh, coach or uh, over, overseer. Um, I only ever did after school. In high school, I only ever did drama, which always started later than sports to accommodate people who did sports and drama which seemed genuinely insane because you would be doing sports practice from like 3 15 to like five and then drama from like five to seven yeah and then still have to go home and like eat and do homework, do your homework. And stuff. oh so busy yeah i'm, I'm just remembering uh, i was i'm extremely um I, I have a good detention story though okay t- wait tell me tell me that first uh my friends and i always of course like to do plan and do little stupid activities oh did you tell the chili story did is this I the tell, chili story no, the chili story did i tell that here i can't remember i can't remember uh, uh well that's tell it again the, the thing that's the annular structure of this podcast which is me telling my same four stupid stories over and over again <laughs> which is that i we decided that we wanted to have a chili cook-off during lunch um and w- without like clearing it without any staff we because honestly we didn't even think about it because it's just it literally is like a call for like kids to just bring some food from home. We didn't think it was going to be that big deal that we just stood up in morning assembly and said, Hey, we want to do this. We're going to do it on Friday. So uh, if you want to, if you want to like, uh, you know, s- s- sign up to, to submit a chili and be judged, uh, you know, come, come see us. Who, were go- who is going to judge it? I you guess guys? we were. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Someone's got to do it. And like, by time we left assembly to, you, you know, you leave assembly and go to your first period class. Uh, by the time we left assembly, we saw that there were already, and, and we're walking past the uh, announcement boards to go to our first period class. We saw that there were all like notes for us to come see the uh, school uh, head, dean of students, the disciplinarian, whose name was Jack White. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a good name. It is. And so we went and saw him and uh, got chastised and at least several detentions um, for not consulting a uh, a. a faculty advisor for this that we can't just do unplanned activities in the line unplanned uh, activities uh that 
will always stick with me is him being like, we have to make sure that when you're talking about chili, you're talking about chili and not drugs. <laughs> uh, so they thought that we were having heavy, heavy quotation points, air quotes, a chili cook-off that, at lunch, if you know what I mean, dude. That, that would be really funny to actually a quote chili unquote cook off and it was like an, an edibles contest yes. but how do you judge that <laughs> you will you have to deliver you have your, to your, get extru- extremely you have to hot your judgment uh, several hours later yeah or i guess if you're judging on taste that's fine but mm-hmm. then you're just on your own you're on you're on your own journey after that that would it's, actually be kind of fun so that's probably my funniest attention is on licensed chili cook off unlicensed chili cook off it's funny on, I feel unauthorized like, chili cook off i feel like we were similar in in high school we too uh or me and my friends, uh, we we were feeling the structures of of high school, right? Mm. The the basic uh, g- governance, the the things that you had to do every day in order to like be successful. And then it was like, okay, well, wh- how can we have some fun with it? Yeah. So like we had homerooms that we for a while we planned dance parties. Okay. Homeroom was fifteen minutes after the first two classes of the day, before the sec- before lunch, and the second two class or t- third and fourth classes of the day. Yeah. And so we would like planned dance parties where we would like bring speakers and like blast music and like my friend brought her strobe lights and we would like hand out invitations to select people because you're not supposed to leave your homeroom but if you have an understanding homeroom person they will accept people into their homeroom yeah so we would just like do stuff like that just to just to not kill ourselves basically we had a (laughs) we had a cartoon club which was basically just uh lunchtime uh, somebody would bring their Family Guy DVDs in, and this was the uh, and and we get like forty kids to come and watch like one episode of Family Guy during a lunch session with. That's so cute! Great. I love that. Uh, and this was during the golden period, uh, between Family Guy's first cancellation and its returning when it could of course and it's still being a good cartoon, right? You know? Right. Or we'd bring in like Simpsons or Futurama episodes or stuff like that. Uh, rarely some Adult Swim stuff. That's so fun. It was a lot of fun. Um. I got a, I got I was tardy sometimes. I don't know. I got I was I was not as bad many as my uh, my my bad friend Alec. Uh, but you know I was in and out of detentions. For stupid, <laughs> for stupid shit. You've seen you've been inside. I've been inside. You've done some bids. Yeah, as it were. <laughs> yes. No, I'm um I was a uh, extremely uh, the example I will share about how unbelievably lawful good I was and I guess still am in a lot of ways is uh. We had senior skip day, but I played lacrosse and our lacrosse coach said, if you skip, you can't practice. And if you can't practice, you uh, can't you, you will be dinged at, at the next uh, um, game. And of course, me, I'm like, I hate lacrosse. I hate every minute I'm playing. And yet I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be dinged. I, I would like to continue my incredibly mediocre lacrosse career. And so the night before senior skip day, a girl hosted... Uh, the entire basically the entire senior class all the cool people at her rural like kind of camp thing that her father owned like a, an hour drive away mm-hmm. and so we all went up uh we drank i smoked weed for the first time and then the next morning i drove back and went to school on your senior skip day with a hangover and then i practiced because i didn't want to i didn't want to get in trouble were you the only senior at, at school or were there a handful of nerds who also showed up there were a handful of nerds that also showed up but i remember I remember going to my classes and having my teachers be legitimately confused about like, why, why I was there. Here? I'm like, I uh, bl- want to play this sport that I hate, I guess. I don't know. Uh, blame blame Mr. Cardi or whatever his the 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 uh, uh, lacrosse coach's name was. Wait, 
do you know my lacrosse coach? No, name? what is it? I forget it? my lacrosse coach's name. They're all girls, though. Oh, okay. Women, excuse me. Um, Lindsay, <laughs> Coach Lindsay. Uh, blame Coach Lindsay because that is an unfit. What, what are you even doing there? Come on, just let the head kids have the skip day. But you gotta, that's the thing. It, it's like this thing that people believe that you have to have some sort of rules and structure for teenagers, especially, or else they go wild. Someone, someone ends up hurt with their head through a monitor. Yeah, it's true. But at one point, do the rules. The rules cause the breakage no, just gotta, with oppositional. You, you got to press up against the rules. That's the important part about being a teenager is, is getting limitations and then learning how to respectfully uh, break them. Well, I had a great time at senior skip day and then uh, did, and then was happy a, the next day when I didn't get, didn't get in trouble. So yeah. there, there we go. I turned out all right, didn't I? Yes, I think so. <laughs> it remains to be seen as I enter my early to mid 30s. Uh, will we finish this book this year? No. No, I want to say no. I think maybe early next year. Yes. What do we have? No, what page are we on? Uh, 500 something. I mean, what are, what are we doing? 528. 528. Yeah. Out of just shy of 1,000, right? Yeah. Well, a th- I want to say it's like 1,000. Well, we, we can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 970. Bl- <laughs> So we've got 400 some. 981. So we got 450 some pages. I think we will finish in the spring of 2023. Yeah. Jesus. Well, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. The, these, this is the structure that we must uh, yes, thrive must within. Fill. Yes. Um, all, well, Happy New Year's, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank um, you so much for listening. Stick with us for another um, probably 18 months or so yeah. of, of this thing. Hang in there. Um, we're, we're still having fun. Um, oh yeah, uh, we're having a great goofy time. Uh, I'll plug the email address. Uh, we like getting emails, even if we don't necessarily respond to all of them. Uh, the Infinite Castpod at gmail dot com. I haven't checked. I haven't checked that in a very long time. I look at it. We get nice little emails. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing that really demands too much attention. A lot of emails, and I will thank you if you have emailed. Uh, just being like, yo, I'm I'm enjoying hanging out with this. You know, I have. Um, some you know so, so certain parts about this book resonate a lot with me or i just finished it and it's nice to like go back through it with mm-hmm. with people um a few things about uh navigating addiction which i always appreciate getting from people and you know also means that i don't necessarily respond or shout you out on the uh pod because it seems kind of private and personal and i don't really know what to say <laughs> uh but if if something about this is is resonating with you or you're just having fun with it uh that's nice that's what S- we do. Send an email or, you know, DM. And then also, if you n- notice things that we don't notice oh, because yeah, yeah. everyone has been doing a great job, there's no such thing as splaining in here. We're all we're all equally splained in this space. So just uh, get, give a shout because this thing is so dense. And even though this is my third time reading this, yeah. I still there are still things that I don't notice that are connections made and uh, unexpected uh, thematic, you know, junctures or whatever. Yeah, somebody just flagged the other week uh, just that they were idly um, like picking through the first chapter again and realized that, you know, in the first like t- 10 pages of the book, uh, Hal talks about hanging out with Donald Gately. Yeah. It's um, all there right yeah, in the yeah. beginning, but <laughs> it's all just a bunch of names that you're yeah, reading yeah. first. Like, you're I, like, who the fuck is Don Gately? And why they, should and I care? It, very specifically refers to him as Donald Gately, which I feel like is a bit of an obfuscation of being like, I'm going to refer to him by a name that I don't yeah. refer to him for through the rest of the book. 
Um, they talk about himself before you know who the fuck himself is. Uh, Mr. Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. There are no spoilers in this book because yeah. it's all, it's as uh, Sheena from Vanderpump uh, Rules forearm tattoo says, <laughs> it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all continuously happening. It's happening forever. And isn't that the truth? Itself. Yeah. Uh, all right. Is that enough for today? I think so. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.